Hello everybody and welcome to First and Goal, the hardest hitting up and coming ACC SCC football podcast on the internet today. It is Monday, February 7th in the year 2022. I am your host Ben, joined here as always by my co-host, the one, the only, Big Rob. How the hell's it going, man? What, no funny nicknames this time? Nah, not today, man, not today. <laughs> not in the mood for it, I get it. Doing good, brother. Doing good. Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Ready to talk a little bit of football. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to be discussing the 2021 Vanderbilt Commodores coming off of a pretty rough year, but it was a improvement nonetheless off for 2020 season. But before we get into this thing, man, you know what you got to do. You got to go ahead and snap in that chin strap, throw in that mouthpiece, and go ahead and get ready because it's going to be a hard hitter. Let's do it. going on everybody back in the studio ready to do the damn thing once again yes sir back in the saddle one more time yes sir yes sir we're going to continue our year in review team by team breaking them down we're switching over to the worst team in the sec east easily the worst team who is the worst team in the sec altogether but finished last in the sec east the vanderbilt Commodores. I would almost argue that they're probably the worst team in the SEC and ACC combined. It'd be a close one. It'd be close between Vandy and Duke. I don't know who the hell, but that'd be a toss-up. Duke won more games. I'd like to actually see a bowl game between the two as far as a toilet bowl or something like that. I don't know about a bowl bowl game, but it would be a good rivalry game. (laughs) Wouldn't it? Yes, sir, but... um. Vanderbilt, they're coming off of a 2-10 and record this past year. Not a good year. But, I mean, then when you look at the 2020 season when they had Derek Mason, they were 0-10. Yes, sir. So I guess you do have some improvement, and I will say there was an improvement in the culture. I saw a team this year that actually did fight, a team that never really gave up. Didn't, no matter how bad they were losing, they, they fought to them, these things. They really did. They, they really fought as hard as they could, gave it everything that they had. I mean, they had a quarterback that was decent, running game not so much. But, um, I mean, they, they gave it what they had, man. Yeah, they really did. And, I mean, also at the same time, they had a brand-new staff. Had a first-year head coach who was his first time ever being a head coach and Clark Lee. Mm-hmm. Coming off that defensive coordinator job at Notre Dame back in 2018 through 2020. A lot of you might also remember him as the linebacker coach in 2016 and 2017 right there at Wake Forest. Yes, sir. And uh, Clark Lee, he had some really good defense over the years down there. But um, he just – anytime you take a job at Vanderbilt, man, the odds are not stacked in your favor if you know what I mean. No, no, they're really not. But, I mean, he took the right first step. and Even though it was a pretty lousy season as far as win-losses go, two wins is better than no wins. That's right, man. And, I mean, if you look at some of those losses they had this year, something you can say is 
against South Carolina this year. They were in it right to the finish. Oh yeah, it was it was a photo finish right there at the end. If it wouldn't if it wasn't for a quarterback change, South Carolina would have lost that game. Yes, sir. I, I don't have a doubt in my mind about that. But also, I mean, the Missouri game, they hung around pretty good to the end there. And not to mention, they gave Tennessee a fit for the first couple quarters of that game. And they never really did go away. They hung around that thing all the way to the end and really stuck around. That's That says a lot for what they did in years past. And, you know, let's be honest here. <clears throat> Vanderbilt had a decent offense. They could score at any time. Just, just be honest with you. They they had a chance to score at any time. The running game was, I mean, two or three yards at a time. But that defense, oh, that defense. I ain't even going to say they had a good offense. I mean, I'm going to say that they had a decent offense. I'm not even giving them that. No? No. No, that offense stunk. <laughs> Let's just call it like it is. I know, I know you want to be nice. You want to sympathize for the poor guys. Let, let's just call it like we see it here. Well, I mean, for for me, my reasoning on saying it was decent is you're sticking around with South Carolina to the end, given South Carolina didn't really have much of a good offense this year, but they did have a pretty decent defense. You're sticking with Tennessee for a couple of quarters, and you're sticking with Missouri, who had a pretty high, you know, pretty potent offense in their own right. And that, that's what I'm saying. It, their offense was pretty decent, considering. I'm not giving them that. See, <laughs> strong man. To me, that offense, you go back, you study all the stats, turnovers every single week, giving, yeah. giving the ball away. Penalties. A lot of penalty yards, but also just a ton of missed opportunities and a lot of unorganization now. Don't get me wrong. I like that new head coach hire they got. Clark Lee, I, I like him as a head coach. I think he's got potential. But I think I think this team right here right now is a perfect example of why it is so important as a new head coach to get those assistant coach hires right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if, if you don't have the help to back you up, man, they're, it's going to be your neck on the line, not theirs. And sometimes you can hire some unnamed coaches. Some other programs have done that, and they've had success with it. But then there's also times, in this example, where you hire some guys, and neither one of them really – you look back at their history, and even when you study their history, you sit there and it makes you scratch your head like, what – what exactly did they do here to get in the position they're in? I mean, is there just no interest whatsoever on the market from anybody to go to Vanderbilt? And they wanted to try to prove themselves? or And, and that's the only thing that I can think of, man. It, it, you have a offensive coordinator. I think his name is Lynch. What was the first name? Joey Lynch. Joey Lynch. Old Joey Lynch. He's coming <clears throat> from a Colorado State team from 2020 that went 1-3. and three. They only played four games due to Uncle COVID, but 1-3 and three just in those three games in a mountain conference. That's right, man. I mean, Colorado State, it's not a very good program to start with. It's about like a Vanderbilt. 
I say it's a little bit better than Vanderbilt, even though that is one school that Vanderbilt beat this year. Yeah. But uh, he just, you look at his history, he came from Colorado State 2020, didn't have a whole lot of success there. He coached at Ball State from 2013 to 2019 as their assistant head coach, OC, and quarterback coach. And that's, not, that's a position he's held everywhere he's been as quarterback coach and OC. And Ball State, he had a little bit of success down there, but it's, at St. Thomas, Ball State. Who? Hell, I know Duke better than I know Ball State. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All I know is I think the Ball State Cardinals or Redbirds or some bull crap like that. Yeah, man, I just – I'm not trying to knock the program. I don't have nothing against them. I'm no. sure it's a great school. Got some great people in it. But but it's in a conference, man, that's not really known for football, or at least big-time football. That's like the Miami Bobcats up in Ohio. I mean, <laughs> who the hell is that? You're right. <laughs> now, of course, Miami Bobcats. Was it the Bobcats? No. Yeah, it was. Miami of Ohio is from uh, where Ben Roethlisberger actually came from. Okay, I'll say it again. Who the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're talking about a quarterback you used to play several years ago. I thought he retired years ago. Well, he probably should have retired years ago. I think he did. He just put on (laughs) jersey, went out on Sunday. But uh, Back to his OC, man, he just... You look at what he did, Colorado State. He didn't have a whole lot of success. Ball State, he had mediocre success. Not great, not bad. And then you look this year at Vanderbilt, man. I guess the thing that bugs me is, this is going all the way back to 2013, being a quarterback coach and offense coordinator. So he's he's coming up on nine years now as a quarterback coach in O.C., this year was his eighth year. 2021 was his eighth season Right, doing that. But yet your quarterback's out there making crazy turnovers. Stupid reads. Yeah, very, very poor reads and just crazy turnovers. And it was every week. Yeah, every week. I forget who it was they were playing, but it was a play. <clears throat> it was a little dump pass off to the running back. Goes to throw the running back, but does not see that uh, defensive end or cornerback is sitting right there, you know, in the gap, and just throws it, throws it basically right to him. Just a, a free, free pick six. I know exactly what game you're talking about. I've seen it also. Um, hell, I can't think of a team either, but yeah, I mean, very poor reads, very poor decision making, and yeah, you can blame the quarterback saying, "Oh." You can't give the player talent. You can't coach talent. But, hell, what happened in Colorado State? I ain't heard of no great quarterback out there. They went one of four. Right. Have you heard of any great quarterbacks coming out of Ball State since 2013? I haven't heard of any quarterback coming out of Ball State, to be honest. I don't know of any player from Ball State. No. I don't know any. No, I can't think nothing. So, I mean, I guess my point of getting out here with this OC hires. Vanderbilt, as bad as they are, and as bad as this record was at 2-10, and 10, I feel like they left a lot on the table this year, actually. I do, too. I really do, too. They had a pretty talented uh, quarterback. 
somewhat. I mean, you know, besides his, his poor reads and whatnot, but the kid had an arm. Oh, he made some absolutely phenomenal throws. He made some very challenging throws. Spot on. Had a beautiful deep ball. Beautiful deep ball. But the reads, that's where coaching comes in. Right. Throwing the ball 40 yards, you don't coach that. That's talent. Absolutely. And, and one of the other things, too, that, that really hurt Vanderbilt was the kid didn't have any time to really read and throw. That line was just letting him through like a bunch of Russian bulls. Yeah, the offensive line was pretty poor. But at the same time, how many times did you see this year where he sat back there? Four, five, even six seconds sometimes. And then threw a terrible pick. Yeah. Yeah, there was a couple of those. That's reads. Yep. That's simple reads. There were some RPOs thrown in there. You can tell you had not been coached properly on that. I mean, from the minute he snapped the ball, instead of going through his read and then throwing the receiver, the minute the ball snapped, he's slinging it out there. Defensive back standing right there in front of the receiver. There's no chance from the word go that that ball was going to get there. Slung it out there anyways. Got picked off. So, coaching problems there. And I'm not going to take it from Clark Lee. Because if you listen to him and you listen to his players talk about him, he's got respect. Oh, yeah. there's They've got some, some good talent, especially at wide receiver, that you know, will go a long way and possibly even could make it in the pros. But the thing about it is, man, if you ain't got nobody to get it to you, you know, it's it's kind of hard to show your name. And, you know, like, like you said, man, they've got, you know, that, that coach has got a lot of people on his side in that locker room. But you got to win. You got to win to keep that respect. All right. This is where I'm going back to me saying they have a terrible offense. We're, we're disagreeing here, okay? I'm All just right. going to rattle a few stats off here at you. All right. This ain't opinions. This is stats. This is a pro-spread offensive scheme that he ran, okay? Yep. This offense averaged 123 rushing yards a game. Out of 130, uh, 130 programs that are ranked, you know where that came up at? I'm going to say 90th. 104 out of 130. Okay? Goodness. They're passing offense and a pro spread. Averaged 174.7 yards per game. That's it. Ranking 105 in the nation. Good gravy. You know how many points they averaged in the game? Average? Yeah. Let me think back on it. I'd say averaging probably 20, 21 points a game. 13.6, man. That ranks 128th out of 130 teams nationally. That's what this OC brought to the table. Ranking 128 out of 130 in points scored per game. Good gravy. Jumping Jehoshaphat. Think about this now. Kentucky State, Old Dominion, Ball State, Colorado State. Hell, the Citadel, South Carolina State. I mean, I can go on and on. Jackson State. Think of all these programs out of 130 schools. And they were 
number 128 of 130. Think of all these nobody programs. Mm-mm-mm. I guarantee you Duke was higher than them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I don't know if he still has his job or not. I didn't look into that. Not going to lie to y'all. <laughs> but that's not going to work. That's not a good combination. That's not a winning combination. No, he's still there. I looked. And Clark Lee, you got your kids buying in. You got them playing their hearts out for you, brother. If you're going to keep them bought in and you're going to keep this team wanting to fight for you, willing to go to battle for you every single Saturday, go to war, you're going to have to put them in the best position to win. You're going to have to give them the opportunities and put them in, give them the tools they need. Oh, yeah. If they mess up, that's on them. But if you cut a man's legs off and then put him in a relay race, he ain't exactly got an advantage here. About like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. Yes, sir. It ain't going to work out too good. No. No. Negative. And when you got stats like this, I mean, stone cold, wrote down in paper, in ink, signed, sealed, deliver, facts. Showing your offense, scoring, your scoring offense was 128 out of 130. I'm not buying into that. No, no. Because any kid can look at that, especially a college kid. If you're in college, you you ain't too dumb. All right. You got to be a fairly bright young man to go to college. Yeah. You look at that. It don't take a genius to figure out, okay, we're an SEC school. If we're getting outscored by William and Mary, Sanford, <laughs> Old Dominion, Harvard, <laughs> we're getting outscored by a bunch of lawyers. Nah. No. No, no, no. It ain't us. It ain't us. No. And we were actually speaking about this on Saturday evening. And I know why Vanderbilt's still in the SEC because of the money. It's hard to pass that money up. But let's just be honest here. Vanderbilt is not an SEC school at all. Why not? And I, I doubt they're an ACC school either. Why not? Well, look at the record since they've been in the uh, SEC. They've had some big wins, yes, but how far and few of those in between have they been? Okay, but then you think about that when they had the right coaches in there. They go on a couple-year span of winning seven games in a year. Hell, I think they had an eight-game season there. Beating South Carolina, beating Tennessee, beating Kentucky. Finishing second and third in East. You cannot tell me that this is not an SEC program. You can tell me that it does not have SEC caliber coaching staff, but you cannot say this is not an SEC program. They won the national championship in baseball, no problem. Well, that's baseball. That's not football. It's still SEC. You telling me you can have superior athletes in one sport and none of the others? Well, I mean, you got to compete with recruiting with Tennessee in that state, and then over in North. What the hell's Tennessee done in the last fifteen years? That's true. I mean, you make a valid point there, but I mean they. <laughs> They do have more of a respect in the SEC than what Vanderbilt does. You have to admit that. 
Oh, absolutely. They're a former national champ. They have a trophy. But okay, I mean, if Vanderbilt doesn't deserve to be in the SEC, what about South Carolina? I've always said that they need to be an ACC school. It used to be. But if you say Vanderbilt's not an SEC school, then okay, South Carolina's not. Okay, Kentucky's not. You can't say they're not an SEC school and then keep a bunch of these other guys in there. I mean, you make a point. You do make a point, but... Uh, you get the right coaches and the right staff in here to get these kids bought in. This program can compete. I don't give a damn. Yes, I'm beating on the table, y'all. <laughs> this program... That's what gets me fired up. Yeah, it's Vanderbilt. Yeah, they got a bad rap. But it's just like Duke. Any program can be bad if you got the wrong staff. If you don't have the right culture. You can make any program bad. Hell, Alabama went on about a 10-year span before Nick Saban got there where everybody's kicking the crap out of them. I mean... They, I mean, they still competed, though. There wasn't, they wouldn't actually get the crap kicked out of them, but they wouldn't play into Alabama standards. One in six games a year, five games a year, four games a year. Better than no games in two games. Four games or six games a year as Alabama. I mean, as Alabama. The right, four, but then the right staff comes in there, and within two years you're competing for natties. And next thing you know, for the next 15 years, you're a national championship contender. I mean, the, the right staff with the right players will turn any program around. You don't even have to have five-star athletes. You get the right staff in there, get these kids bought in, get the assistant coaches that can put in the right schemes and coach these kids the correct way to play. You're going to be all right. And I'm not knocking Joey Lynch. I'm not saying he can't coach. But obviously his scheme... And what he's coaching is not SEC standards, point blank, period. If the most points you score in a game the whole year is 28 points, there's definitely something wrong with that. That's your highest scoring game, 28 points against Missouri. That's including out-of-conference play. Hell, you lost East Tennessee State. Yeah. You lost to East Tennessee State. You've lost to all the SEC schools. They went uh, they went winless against SEC, and I think they've actually lost to a couple of out of state as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, out of conference games. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm saying, man. I mean, but at the same time, this is where it does come back on Clark Lee. Your job as a head coach is get the right coaches in there. To fit your system, to fit your conference, and go win football games. And if you have a horrible year, and it blatantly stands out on one side how bad it is like that, and you don't make a change, listen, I'm all about loyalty, bro. Yeah. I'm all about loyalty. But at the same time, your job as a head coach the only people you should be loyal to is that university and those 53 young men on that roster. Absolutely. You owe it to them to put the best staff out there to get the best out of them so they can try to make it to the next level and make the dreams come true. That's right. You owe it to them to be successful. 
that's any job's, any coach's job, is not just to win football games, but to help your young men and women mm-hmm. be successful in life. Yeah. Improve. Absolutely. You want to improve every day. Absolutely. If you don't have these kids with the right worth ethic, they're not going to make any sales out of them after college anyway. you got to have a certain worth ethic to make it in the world today. That's right. And when you keep somebody, when you have a year like this here and your offensive side of the ball struggles the way it did, if you stick with that, then you're telling these players, I don't see nothing wrong. Right, exactly. And you're telling your players, well, it's not him. It must be y'all. That's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. So, as far as OC goes, Mandy this past year, I'm going to have to give it a big Get him out of here. So, an F minus. A damn Z. For zero? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely not a Zoro. It was awful. But then we turn around, we look at the defensive side of the ball. I mean, what a whole lot better there, man. No, not at all. That defense pulled it. Did they even have anybody playing on defense? They had some guys out there, but boy, it, they couldn't even. <laughs> I don't even know what to tell you, honestly. They couldn't stop nothing. They, they really couldn't. I mean, it was like. Uh, I don't know. It was like water going through going through a fence, a picket fence. There were so many holes in that defense that it wasn't even funny. Yeah, it was pretty rough. Um, then his first-year defense coordinator on his staff also, it was Jesse Minner. He was formerly the defensive back coach at the Baltimore Ravens from 2017-2020. And he was the Georgia State defensive coordinator from 23 to 2016 and Indiana State defensive coordinator from – 2011-2012. Two years prior to that, he served as their defensive backs coach. So, once again, you're hiring a coach. Yeah, he's from the NFL. But he's a defensive back coach for the Baltimore Ravens. And then you look at his previous stops. Georgia State, Indiana State. I mean, just looking at what he put out on that field as far as his defensive backs go, man, it's no wonder he's no longer in the NFL. No, for sure. And what makes me mad is he ran my favorite defense. 425? Yeah, 425. And on a 425, you go by three principles mm-hmm. spill, clean, and cover. Right. Your defensive line and your inside linebackers. They do what we like to call spill. Mm-hmm. They're the big guys. What do big guys do? They make a mess. Yep. So what you want them to do is you want them to make a mess of that line of scrimmage from inside tackle to in, from tackle to tackle on the offense. You want to make that running back or whoever's there have to spill outside. Mm-hmm. Want to go outside the boundaries of that offense, the whole inside. It's like spilling the drink. Right. You're going to have to go around to avoid it. Right. Then you got your outside backers and your or as you call them in a four-two-five, your edge or spur, whatever you want to call them. Right. They clean. 
when the player goes to spill outside, they clean up the mess. Right. Clean the guy up, get him out of there. And then you have your defensive backs, your free safety, and your corners. Right. They cover. Three principles. Very simple. It's complex, but at the same time, as long as you stick with those three principles, it's a very simple defense. Very simple. Very simple to coach. But the first thing you got to do is you got to go through that sequence. You got to spill. Then you got to clean. Mm-hmm. Then you got to cover. Right. They never spilled. <laughs> they never spilled. So there was no cleaning. And I mean, that, that secondary wasn't worth the Charmin extra double wipe it could wipe his butt with. I like that varsity blues quote. <laughs> nice work. Thank you. Thank you. I give it a 10. <laughs> but uh, they just this D line man. I mean, you can watch a football game. I think I said this the other night actually. With you the, did with the very first five minutes of each quarter. You can tell how that game's gonna go. All you gotta do is watch that line of scrimmage. And if your defensive line, specifically your inside guys. If they get blowed four or five damn yards off the line of scrimmage every play, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. If your defensive ends can't get around that edge, they can't contain, and they can't get no pressure on the quarterback. And then what happens once that interior line gets blown off the ball? That gets blockers to your linebackers that can't do anything because they're getting blocked. Oh, exactly. If you drive in your defensive tackle into the linebacker's lap, it's over. Yeah. It, it's game over. I mean, it, it really is. It is flat out game over. And at that point, once you control that line, you can take your pick. Yeah. You can sit your quarterback back there, hang out, and I don't care. I don't care if you got Jalen Ramsey – Rondé Barber, <laughs> Troy Polamalu, <laughs> Ed Reed. I don't care if you got all them guys back there in the secondary. If you give a quarterback all day long to throw the ball, he's going to get it there sooner or later. If the quarterback can go, up, go back there, eat a steak dinner, call his girlfriend, and then throw the ball, well, it's going to be a long day. No doubt. And at that point, they can choose. They can do that. They can throw the ball whenever they want. And you know you're blowing inside the lineup. So at that point, you throw the ball a few times, get those linebackers to drop back even more, get the defensive backs to drop back a little bit more. Because what they don't realize is they're not getting beat on coverage. They just there's too much time. Yep. But they're going to back up and give cushion just to make sure they don't get beat on a deep ball. As soon as that happens, you run it up the middle. The only man there is your defensive lineman is getting blown off the ball. Yep. So there you go, averaging eight, nine yards carry. Or then if you uh, if you live by the model of uh, you know run the ball first to loosen up the pass, man, you're, you're running the ball three, four times, that interior line's getting blown up, what's going to happen? That secondary going to suck up to try to cover for the defensive lineman and over the top it goes. 
Exactly, man. I mean, it. it's rough. It is really, really rough. No doubt. And I just... Shit. Well, just break the damn thing, why don't you? There goes the Gatorade cooler. <laughs> Glad it wouldn't fool. Hell, we already have more Gatorade bass than Vanderbilt had this year. <laughs> true, true. But, I mean, you look at the defense. They gave up 452 yards per game in 2021, ranking at 118th in the nation out of 130. Goodness. 118. Gave up 194.2 rushing yards a game. 108th in the nation. And that goes to show your interior line getting blown off the ball? Yes, sir. Then your defense is giving up 257.8 passing yards a game. Again, not worth the Sherman extra. 121 in the nation. <laughs> and see... That's balance. They were averaging, giving up a very balanced stack all year. Allowed 35.8 yards per game. Mm-mm-mm. 119th in the nation. So what you're telling me is both offense and defense were equally worthless. <clears throat> the defense had a few bright spots up, man, but another thing, too, that will make a defense look really bad is a horrible offense. Yeah. Because Vanderbilt's not a school that's got a ton of depth. If you're already struggling on the line scrimmage, you're already getting beat, getting punched in the mouth over and over again. It'd be one thing if you get over to the sideline and you can catch your breath, get a sip of water, talk with the coach, make some adjustments. But when your offense is giving up, Turnovers, like there's no tomorrow. And they can't move the ball whatsoever. You're, you're on the field the whole game. What I'd like to know, and I didn't see any stats because I looked for it, what exactly was the percentage of three and outs they had? I don't know. How many times did they make it to third down before they had a turnover? Because <laughs> that offense gave up 14 <laughs> interceptions this year. Hell, they fumbled the ball 10 times, lost five of them. So right there, you're looking at 19 turnovers. Good grief. 24. Or, excuse me. Then you had another five fumbles that they didn't lose. There ain't no telling how many turnover-worthy throws were out there that the defensive backs dropped. And look at this. Now, the defense. The defense had 13 interceptions this year. 10 forced fumbles. In which they recovered three of them. <laughs> three for seven on four fumbles. That, that's sad in itself. That tells me right there you're not practicing very many fumble drills in practice. You're not hustling to the ball. But still, 13 interceptions. That, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. I'll take that. I can live with that. That's pretty good. But the fact that they had 13 interceptions and their offense only averaged 13 points a game. 13 interceptions, and your offensive coordinator is the quarterback coach? How's he still got a job? No. Vanderbilt's offense gave up 14 interceptions. Vanderbilt's defense. Oh, oh. Vanderbilt's defense got 13 interceptions gotcha, this year. Gotcha. 
Stay with me now. My bad. My bad. I took a nap. My apologies. But their defense had 13 interceptions this year. So 13 times they got the ball back to the offense. I mean, and you're averaging 13 points a game. Yeah, so that was quite a bit of a turnover, turnover margin for the defense. And then your offense gets the ball and either turns it back over or goes three and out. That's right. It's sad. Oh, I made a mistake a minute ago. I said the highest scoring game they had all year was 28 points. Uh Uh-huh. They scored 30. That was, 30. That was, that, that was in their win. Yeah, they beat UConn 30-28. to 28. Still a close game. And they beat Colorado State 24-21. That's your two victories. UConn and Colorado State. You beat the University of Connecticut and Colorado State. Which, don't get me wrong now, Connecticut had a football team back in the day, but it ain't back in the day no more. No, they're a basketball school now. Yeah, so... I just, I don't get it. I don't either. I, I really don't either. I don't know if it's, if it was the recruiting from the previous staff with the kids that are still there, or they just can't develop these kids. And I, I mean, I understand it, it takes more than one season to develop, but I mean, especially with it's basic not, stuff. It's not, I'll say it again. This is not a player problem. None whatsoever. So you think it's coaching development? It's the assistant coaches. It's not development. It's simple fundamentals. Right. Now, there's a big coaching development problem. I'll give you that in a quarterback position. That's huge, but it's just bad all the way through. Four two five defense. All right. If you coach this right, if you teach this right, it don't take no stud athletes to make a four two five defense work. Right. It's quite simple. You don't have to be getting after quarterback every single play. If you can fill your gaps on defense on that line, if you can fill your gaps, the play is going to spill outside. Right. If your guys on the edge can clean the play up, you got it. Defensive backs, cover. That's your only responsibility as a defensive back in the 4 Cover. That's it. Point blank period. The only time you try to clean up as a defensive back is if that ball has crossed the line of scrimmage. That's it. That's the fundamental of your 4 defense. Right. That's why anytime a team has a 4-2-5 defense, it's always a team that takes the ball away a lot. It's always a very good pass defense because the simple fact of your defensive backs have no responsibility other than cover. Right. And you got five of them out there running. Exactly. And it works decent for an inside zone defense, inside zone and outside zone offense as far as stopping the run. Right. You might have a little you might have a little bit of a play here and there to get you like a zone read or, say, jet sweep, something like that. That might get you every now and then. But as far as your inside zone, outside zone type run plays, they're going to struggle against 4-2-5 defense. Right. 
it's very good defense, especially for a not very talented team. Okay. And when you can't stop nothing with a four-two-five defense against some of these schools they played this year. Big coaching problem. Yeah. But at the same time, how much of this really is on that defense than that offense? You're 100% right. I mean, the offense threw 14 interceptions. How many of those were pick sixes? Right. You, you got to wonder. I don't have it wrote down. I don't have that stat on paper. Right. I know one was. I know that for a fact. For 100% fact. We watched that one. So, I can maybe see bringing back your defensive coordinator. Especially with the experience as a defensive back coach with the Raiders and with the Ravens, it did carry over there. Right. 13 interceptions. That's a very respectable number. That's borderline. Great. Right. But. Those sieges, you cannot win averaging 13 points a game and then have 14, 14 interceptions. Cannot do it. Right, exactly. And, I mean, you just, just – like I said before with that quarterback, it's a development problem. And your offensive coordinator as a quarterback's coach, I mean, you've got to be able to see that you know, your quarterback is just not able to read fundamentally. You gotta work on her to get somebody else in there that can, even if it is a true freshman. That offense is just stagnant. Bad. It's just bad. All the way through. And I just I don't know. There's nothing you could do to fix it. Not without replacing the coordinator. No, there's really not. Because when you were that bad, I mean, you look at all the years as OC he has. Yeah. I mean, he's got quite a few years eight, under his belt. Eight years. If that's the best you can do after eight years. But then again, it's, it's all been an underwhelming schools that are just not in the best conference that, you know, really played no-name teams. Not, you know, not giving them a, a pass on it or anything, but I just don't even understand why you bring somebody like this in that's not got any real experience. I don't quite understand bringing them in. I could maybe understand. Let me scratch that. I could see maybe giving them an opportunity. Give them a shot. Prove, prove yourself. Prove your worth. You ain't never had a chance at this kind of opportunity, this kind of program in this conference. Here's your chance. Let's see what you can do. But the fact that you bring them back after that, that's where it rolls all the way back around to Clark Lee. Absolutely. And it blows my mind that he's making this big of a mistake. I mean... Maybe he knows something we don't, but I'm sorry. I'm not no genius, but I know football, I know the game of football pretty damn well. I love it. I eat, sleep, breathe. 
Yes, sir. 110%. Hell, if I'm not watching the game, I'm studying it. Absolutely. Looking up books. I mean, hell, you seen... <laughs> I mean, you even listen to coaching podcasts. Well, I mean, just like the 425 defense, I don't know how many books I've purchased just studying the 4-3 defense. Several defense just breaking down. I love defense. Defense fascinates me. Mm-hmm. Line play fascinates me. I'm not no dumbass when it comes to this, all right? That was creepy as all get out. <laughs> that was my best attempt to butt it. What the hell, man? <laughs> Butthead sounded more like a damn creepy stalker or something. That's creepy. <laughs> but I'm not no college coach. Hell, I'm not a high school coach. But I'm not no idiot. Right. You don't have a coach that does this poorly and you bring them back. You don't do it. No. No, I mean, hell, look at Auburn and Mike Bobo. Yeah. Hell, Mike Bobo got fired. And he... I don't like Bobo. No. Do not like the guy. Period. But he got fired. He was putting points on the board. Yeah. Well, Shell from understand, old Auburn's coach, he might be a... In a little bit of hot water itself. Well, I'd, I'd say probably tomorrow or Wednesday we're probably going to get some news about that from, from yeah. what I've been hearing. We'll, we'll bring it up when the time comes, but uh, things are definitely heating up down there. Yep, yep. Much hotter seat than what uh, anybody expected it to be this soon. <clears throat> yeah, but... I don't get how Clarkley... I mean, Bo, he's been around some good coaches. I mean, that time he spent at Notre Dame under Jim Kelly. Do I like Jim Kelly? Hell no. But he can't be that bad of a football coach. I mean, got a lot of games under his belt. Yeah, he's won a lot he's of games. one of the most winningest, if not the most winningest coach in college football. Besides St. Nick. Yeah, jolly old St. Nicholas. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you had several years under him to learn. Your time in Wake Forest for a great head coach over there who is outstanding with developing players. I mean, Wake Forest was the Vanderbilt of the ACC. They were getting beat by Duke for a long time there. Yep. Look at them now. And then all of a sudden, player development, you're turning two and three stars into four and five stars. Yes, sir. I mean, you get the right scheme to fit your players. If you don't have players that fit your scheme, then make a scheme that fits the players you've got. And it's not just the scheme, man. I mean, you've got coaches out there that can develop players into the four- and five-star players. Yeah, but this ain't all developing. Sorry, I said you got to put your guys in a position to succeed. You got to put him in that position, man. All right. Drew Brees, good example here. Mm-hmm. We'll go down as probably one of the top five, top six best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Okay, I can see that. Had one of the weaker arms. 
This is true. Now imagine Drew Brees if he went out there in an air raid offense trying to throw the ball downfield. <laughs> like, uh, say, Bruce Arians, Tampa Bay did with Tom Brady. Throwing the ball downfield and I'll stop. Right. Imagine Drew Brees in that system. No, he wouldn't make it two or three years in the NFL at all. He would have been another Ryan Leaf. Absolutely. Okay. Peyton Manning, one of the all-time greats. Put Peyton Manning in – take Peyton Manning and try to get him to do what Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson does. <laughs> you about choked me on that one. Mm-hmm. Mike Allscott. Allstop. Take Mike Allscott and try to get him to do what LaDainian Tomlinson did or vice versa. Right. You got to have the right scheme and the right system to fit that player. You can't have a shifty running back and try to run him up the gut right. over and over again. Don't work. Shifty running back in a power offense. You can't have a quarterback with a six-second, 40-yard time <laughs> and put him in the type of offense that's play action and a lot of RPOs and zone reads, etc. Can't do it. No. No. Poor old Peyton Manning, both. He'd have got his head cracked. Can you imagine him running against any of the big-time linebackers? <laughs> that played in that point in time. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, just think about him trying to run against Gray Ray. You can't take a defense. I can only imagine. <laughs> you cannot take a defense that doesn't have a lot of speed and a lot of athleticism and run a three three five. Right, right. Three three five. You got to have guys who can fly around to the football, or you'll be in a world of hurt really fast. Mm-hmm. Hence the four two five. Defense made for guys. You don't have to be quite as athletic. You don't have to cover so much field. Right, exactly. This is a bad scheme fit on this Vanderbilt offense. I like the head coach. I don't – I'm not a fan of the defense, but at the same time, until this offense does better, there's no way to really tell – how good or bad this defense actually is. But going off of 13 interceptions, I say that defense actually has a potential to be pretty good. Yeah, there's definitely potential there. I mean, 13 interceptions. If you think about that, if you get touchdowns on half of those, if the offense scores on half of those, all right, you're looking at 36 more points right now. Yeah. That might not seem like a lot, but when you're a team that's only scoring 13 points a game, that's a lot. That could be the difference between a win and loss. Hell, if you kick field goals on half of them, that's 18 points. Yeah. Get some kind of points off of it. You got to get points, man. You got to put points on the board. That's the name of the game on offense. You got one job put points on the board. Yep. And control the clock. But if you ain't putting points on the board and you're turning the ball over, you have control of nothing. 
Absolutely nothing. If you're playing from behind four quarters, well, you're in a world of hurt. When you're a defense and you're trying to go out there and make stops, but you have an offense like Vanderbilt had this past year, that's like putting on a pair of ice skates and trying to skate up Mount Everest. Yep. It ain't going to work. No. You're just pissing in the wind. Yep, exactly. So, Clark Lee, I want to see you do good, man. I want to see you succeed. I would like to see Vanderbilt get a little more competitive here. This year here, though, year number two, we're going to have to see some more wins. We're going to have to see at least four wins, at least minimal. Yeah, absolutely minimal. You'd like to see them at least get bowl eligible, but I don't know if that's going to happen, you know, with everybody that they've got to play in the East and also their West schedule. That's right. We'll get a little better look at this thing once the spring game rolls around. When the spring game rolls around, we're going to have a very good idea of what this team is. We're going to find out who's the better assistant coach because then we're going to get to see their OC versus their defense. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested and very excited about this. But uh, with all this being said, man, you got anything you want to touch on? I really ain't got anything else to add. I will take back about uh, the comment about that secondary being uh, not as good, you know, not uh, worth the charm and extra since they did have all those interceptions. I'll take that back. <laughs> but um, respect, respect. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I was wrong there, but man, I don't know. It's it's just really hard to. To gauge a team like this, that you know, like you said, has it's a tale of two, two coordinators, really. That's right, man. I mean, see, if you got a bad defense, you can still have a good offense, put points on the board. Yep. But if you have a really bad offense, it's hard to tell if you got a good defense or not, especially if you're a smaller school that does not have a whole lot of depth. Right. Depth plays a huge factor. Right, exactly. When you uh, when it's hard to breathe out there and you can't keep up, man, it's it's really hard to hard to do anything with it. That's exactly right, my man. Well, uh, if you ain't got anything else you'd like to say, I'm gonna make like Vanderbilt's offense and bounce up out of here. <laughs> All right, brother. Let's go ahead and call it a day. I want to thank y'all for joining us. Yeah. Oh, as always, hit that uh, you know that subscribe button. Go ahead, go ahead and go to our Twitter, YouTube, or not YouTube, well, YouTube's coming soon. Yes, sir. On Twitter, we are at First and Goal. Mm-hmm. Go on Facebook, check out the page, First and Goal. But uh, give us your input, man. Shoot us a message, comment, whatever. We don't give a damn. Hell, we ain't picky. We don't care. Absolutely. Like I said, if you guys want to talk football with us, let us know. If we're getting ready to cover a team that you like, let us know. We'll, we'll get you in the podcast somehow or another if you want. That's right. We can always use outside opinions. Love it. But uh, I appreciate y'all tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Later.